If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, October 18th, 2021. I'm one of your host, Blessing, Adioye Jr. Joining me is the LaCroix Poppy himself, Tim Ma Fun Gettys. Bless, I'm so stoked to be here with you. We're going to start the energy off with a good, start, start the week off with some good energy. I guess we're not. Yeah. You know what? Oh, I, I mean, it all we've back. already fucked it. Shut it, it down, it's our, it's shut it down Barrett. The, the, <sighs> it's been our pleasure to serve you. See you guys yes, next week. Bye. Tim, how are you feeling this morning? Good job, Eric. Good job. That was awesome. I'm feeling really <laughs> good. Really good. Up until that flub, I was feeling on top of the world. Mm, uh, but either happens. way, we can bring it back. You know, it's a it's a fantastic day today. Sora is officially in Smash Brothers. At any moment, he will grace our presence. So I'm very, very excited for that. Uh, the final mm. spirits are are unroot. Oh, yeah. Me. I can't wait for that. I'm very excited for that. I'm just coming off of uh, beating Metroid Dread last night, which was a journey, Tim. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was one of those things where I... To be honest, I almost rage quit this game a few times last week. Just out of, one, like the difficulty of it, and then also just getting lost all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I gave some of my impressions on Twitter, but, like, you know, Metroid typically doesn't do it for me all the time. And, like, this is the one where I was like, I'm committing to finishing this one. And early on, I was like, oh, man, I don't like, I, I just don't like the, the hidden destructible walls. That's the thing that I know people go back and forth on it. I know Metroid fans are totally down for it and are totally with it. Me, as somebody who just never was into that design decision, I'm like, I don't like shooting every single wall to figure out what the path is forward because that inevitably ends up with me being like, oh, I don't see the path forward. I'm going to go backtrack a little bit because I'm sure I need to go somewhere else. And then, after, and then an hour later being like, oh, I just didn't shoot the wall. And that happened to me enough times in the, in the, in the first half of me playing Metroid Dread to where I was like, man, is this game just not for me? But then I pushed through. And last yeah. night, Tim, after multiple that hours of fighting boss, that final though. boss, oh, man, I love that final boss. Final I, boss is awesome. I replay so it. Like, I've, I've been like itching to replay the full game, but like... I, I don't know if I'm dedicated to that just yet, but I've been like going back and just replaying that final boss just because it's so goddamn fun. The yeah. boss fights in the game are some of my favorite things this year. I that, that is my fa- that is easily my favorite part of Metroid Dread. Without getting too into the details and specifics of it, like Barrett, you've been talking about this one specific boss the the last couple couple times we talked, and I was like, oh, just wait, just wait. I love how from that boss on. It adds little things so that by the time you get to the final boss, you know how to take him down. You know the strategies of all the different forms, at least most of the different forms. Right. And like Barrett's saying, it becomes fun. It's like you feel like this badass that's taking this thing down. That's still difficult, but it's like such a great rewarding feeling that's backed up from gameplay with kind of just badassery that I'm all about. But I'm happy you guys both uh, enjoyed your time with it, at least enough. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, it was a great weekend playing that. Watching some of that U Season 3. It was, a, it was uh, listening to what album dropped. It was uh, Faces by Mac Miller dropped on streaming finally. Oh. It's a good weekend, Tim. It was a good, yeah, yeah, really good it? mixtape. Oh, shit, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, I mean, this is one that is a mixtape from, like, 2015, but it finally yeah. just came to streaming. And that's, that's always been one of my one of my favorite mixtapes. And so, yeah, if you're a Mac okay. Miller fan, definitely check that one out I because will. it's a banger. But, Tim, 
for now, mm. of course. This is KFGD, so let's talk about some video game news like Elden Ring getting delayed, Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad at DC Fandom, and more, because this is Kinda Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash games, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you PSLVU XOXO is recording on Patreon in a few hours and it's going to be a super special reader mail episode so if you're a patron uh, you can write in with your PlayStation related questions for Janet and me to answer that episode will be up for everybody to listen to on Tuesday on YouTube and podcast services around the globe and speaking of youtube.com slash kind of funny games episode 2 of the Arkham Files premieres today and it's yeah. all about how Arkham City truly makes you feel like the Batman and to celebrate Arkham City's 10th anniversary. Barrett and Mike are streaming the game all day, starting after Games Daily right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. Uh, now, one thing with that mm. is not only is that all happening, that's super exciting. If you want to get in the mood and you want to like get ready for that, last week, we dropped Barrett's first episode of the Arkham Files focusing on Arkham Asylum that you can go check out on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. And if a lot of people asking uh, where our trailer reactions are for the DC movie stuff, the Batman and all that. We will be recording them uh, later today, hopefully, and getting them up, hopefully, by tomorrow. But yeah, just there's, there's been a lot going on, and producing stuff without Greg and all the weekend and stuff has been difficult, so we appreciate your patience. Oh, yeah. And if, if you have also uh, in, if you're in the mood to celebrate uh, the 10-year uh, anniversary of uh, Batman Arkham City, uh, which is today, over on the Epic Game Store, you can uh, pick it up. And why don't you use Epic Creator Code? Kind of funny. There, there you go. go. There you go. And we also we also do have reactions to the video game trailers that went up over the weekend. So Suicide Squad and Gotham Knights uh, trailer reactions are up. It's me, Barrett, and Tamora. And let me tell you, there's nothing like sitting in between Barrett and Tamora just going back and forth about all the Batman theories. It was a wonderful time. So go Hell check yeah. those out. Uh, and Barrett, like you're streaming uh, Batman after this, Arkham City. What is the plan to play the full game? What is the plan there? Yeah. So like uh, Greg, Kevin, and I did two years ago for the Arkham Asylum 10 year anniversary, where we sat down on a Sunday and played through the entire game because Asylum I can beat in about five hours. I think we, we did it in a little less than five hours two years ago. Arkham City, if I just beeline through the story itself, I can also beat in roughly five hours. Um, obviously, there oh, will yeah. be some some fun ways for the, the chat to, to mess with me with uh, my gameplay uh, throughout the stream, and there will be some fun ways for the, the chat to kind of like uh, add on and maybe have me go explore some other things outside of just the story, but uh, yeah, that is the, the kind of base plan for today is just to kind of play through the story and, and celebrate 10 years of what I would consider still a phenomenal game. That's really awesome. That's happening right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. You can, of course, get that later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnyplays. Uh, this is a fun one. Barry, if you can pull up the Twitter link uh, that I have here in the doc. Later today at 5 p.m. Pacific time, I'm going to be on MinMax Trivia Tower uh, along with Janet Garcia and a bunch of folks that you know and love. Uh, it's a trivia competition to win $1,000 for the charity of our choice. Uh, that's going down tonight on youtube.com slash MinMax. Uh, and Barry, if you can play the trailer for us, because it is a stacked cast of folks that you know and love from the industry. They're you got cool. to see this for yourself. Tower. 
Here we go. Barrett, Barrett has it up. If you can pull up the volume. There we go. We got Blessing. We got Michael Huber from Easy Allies, Kelsey Lewin from the Video Game History Sire, Andrew Renee, of course, Tamor Hussein, Alex Navarro, Mary Kish, Marcus Stewart, Kyle Bossman. Got Simple and Clean. Janet Garcia, Alyssa McLoon, Imran Khan, the Don, Jeff Bacalar, Kate Sanchez, Dan Riker. Damn, this is stacked as hell. Ty, Diego. There's a lot of names, guys. <laughs> a bunch of people that you know and love. At 1 p.m. So even if you're in Europe, you can compete here. Just join MinMax on Patreon. Patty, baby. Jared Petty, of course. You can win a bunch of game codes and an Astro Jeff Grubb. headset. Grubb we'll stirs. see you in Trivia Tower, everybody. Trivia, Trivia Tower All-Stars! Jared, thank you so much for pulling that up. And let me tell you, I am, I'm, one, very excited because I get to make content with all these people. Then, then also... I'm very confident. I'm very looking forward. I'm looking forward to this because, as you know, Tim, and as people mm -hmm. know, I love trivia. Trivia is yeah. my jam. Of course, I do uh, bless you on Gamescast every mm -hmm. now and then. And I just, I just adore doing video game trivia. If there's any talent that I have, it is a lot of useless video game knowledge. You know, stuff that I don't, I don't necessarily get to bust out on shows because why, why in the world do I need to know like the, I don't know what the box art looks like for Dark Cloud and on on a on a random show? But in trivia, that's where I shine. That's where Can't I shine. And so I'm looking forward to that. Of course, youtube.com slash minmax. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Pranksy and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Canva and ButcherBox, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> it's time for some news. We have four stories today. A baker's dozen. What, Starting the, the, the fifth story get delayed? Yeah, oh man, as everything does nowadays, Tim, because story number one, Elden Ring has gotten delayed. I'm pulling from Mike Minotti at GamesBeat. Elden Ring's official Twitter account revealed today that From Software's latest action RPG is now coming out on February 25th, 2022. This delays Elden Ring's launch by about a month. Uh, the game was supposed to debut on January 21st. It'll be available on PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, S, and PC. At, at Elden Ring on Twitter writes, quote, Important message. Elden Ring will release on February 25th, 2022, as the depth and strategic freedom of the game exceeded initial expectations. Thank you for your trust and patience. We look forward to seeing you experience the game in the closed network test in November. The hashtag Elden Ring team, end quote. Honestly, this isn't a big surprise. As we've neared the end of the year, fans started to become concerned with how little information or footage we were seeing about Elden Ring. If anything, it's surprising that the delay is so small. The announcement of the delay did, did note that a closed network test uh, will be available in November, so some players will get to try the game before the year's end. Now, Tim, that is interesting by itself, and there's a lot to talk about just with that. But mm -hmm. I think the big thing here to bring up uh, is something that was pointed out by uh, the homie Shinobi on Twitter, at Shinobi602. Shinobi tweeted out what February looks like for video games now. And it's ridiculous, because on February 4th, you're getting Dying Light 2. February 18th, you're getting Horizon Forbidden West. February 22nd, you're getting Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, uh, The K King of Fighters uh, 15, and Sifu. And then uh, three days later, uh, February 25th, you're getting Saints Row and Elden Ring. Tim, how like what's going on here? Like, what are you gonna do about this? You know, there's a lot. There's a lot there. I, I do think that the first thing for me is I am not surprised that there's a delay. I am surprised that the delay is as minuscule as this seems to be. Like less than a month. Uh, I definitely, I would have bet that Elden Ring was gonna get delayed. I would have bet though that it was probably gonna get delayed till honestly anywhere between. May and just fall uh, mm -hmm. of next year, just because of how much we've seen of this game so far. Um, and I don't think that that necessarily would have been a bad thing. So with this, 
I expect some of these games to move from February. Oh, yeah. Uh, which ones they end up being, I'm not really sure. I also will say that as stacked as this lineup looks, I don't think that too many of them step on each other's toes drastically. There's some exceptions to it, but I think that, you know, Horizon is kind of the 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 big one in terms of ex- exclusivity for being a PlayStation uh, console exclusive. And then Sifu being the smaller indie title, I don't think that that's really going to get stepped on one way or another. I think that it it kind of has the audience is going to that, have. Yeah, that, no matter when that's coming out, like that's going to like have the, the people that's going to play it no matter what's coming out around it, right? Yeah, totally. What is interesting, though, is the things like Dying Light 2 that honestly I don't think have that great of a chance at major success uh, in many places during the year. But Dying Light 1 had that moment where it kind of like created the the January uh, game that got all the attention where it's like we came out of the the holiday season and then oh boom there's nothing to play here's dying light everyone was really stoked on it the industry shifted the world has changed where there's not really lull periods anymore throughout the year when it comes to video game releases um and it's kind of like any month any time can result in a big blockbuster title dropping and being a major hit um or a surprise hit like all the any mm-hmm. Any combination of things, right? Um, but with that, there's still from February 4th all the way to the 18th, there's a pretty big that's a couple of weeks, a right? Yeah. Like that gives Dying Light at least some time. And then we got back to back to back to back all these. I do think if any of these have a a real issue, it's Saints Row, right? Where I think the King of Fighters 15, it's gonna speak to the audience, it does. Destiny 2, the Witch Queen. Same exact thing. Your audience is there. I don't think they're going to be getting many more new people uh, into Destiny 2 at this point. Horizon, people are going to play it. Dying Light 2, I think that is the biggest, like, X factor in terms of, like, will that match the surprise success of Dying Light 1? I doubt it, but potentially. But then once we get into Saints Row and Elden Ring, it's like those are the two that are like, all right, well, they're very different audiences. Mm -hmm. But Saints Row is the one that I think is going to struggle the most to find ground. Yeah, I think that, uh, th- this is an interesting conversation because I do think when we look at each of these games, there's something different at play here in terms of what is what is the biggest obstacle. Because when I look at Dying Light 2, I don't think Dying Light 2's release date is as obstacle because I think the weeks after Dying Light 2 being free gives it a lot of space to actually breathe as compared to pretty much everything else on this list. February 4th to February 18th, is a is a good amount of time for people to be able to focus and play that game. That is like that 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 to me that strikes me as um, similar to the freedom that Outriders kind of had. Where mm-hmm. Outriders, I don't think there 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 was anything super big coming out in the weeks after. But even still, in those let's say one to two weeks that Outriders was out, that was enough time for us to play it, get excited about it, get get hyped about it, and then move on. Right. Yeah. And I think Dying Light 2 in those two weeks could do could do a similar thing. I think that game's biggest obstacle is more so itself, because I think uh, you pointed out correctly. Right. Like Dying Light Dying Light 1 was a flash in the pan. It was uh, it, it came out. It was surrounded by nothing. And it came out of left field a little bit. Right. We knew we knew it was going to be this Dead Island kind of game. We knew it was going to be free running and we knew it was going to be a f- first person action RPG mechanics, all these things. Uh, beginning getting your hands on it, I think does something different where it is like hey we have nothing else to play and this seems like it's good enough to where we're going to appreciate it and spend time with it uh dying light 2 could be that again or you know we'll we'll see what that ends up being when you look yeah. at the rest when i look at sifu i do think that i i do think this kind of does spell trouble for it uh I, I i think there is the argument that 
it is different from everything else, and the audience is gonna that's gonna flock to it is gonna flock to it. But I do think there is enough excitement about Seafood from what we've seen when the trailers have come out and how excited that we've gotten for a game like Seafood and how excited the audience has gotten for a game like Seafood. I think putting that in the middle of a bunch of other games that people are super excited about is going to lead to less of an like explosion of hype for Seafood. Where if yeah. that game was alone, then I think there's a chance that, that can be an indie success, an indie darling, oh, yeah. indie like, oh shit, did y'all play Sifu in the way that we talked about something like uh, uh, Death's Door or something like yes. um, uh, uh, the game, your current game of the year, Dark Souls Escape, right? I think those games- Where Some people are going to rock super hard for it. Yeah, exactly. I think those things have the benefit of coming out at a time where there's not much, not much else out and then people having the bandwidth to go, Oh yeah, I'll go check out uh, Death Store, and then they they love it or they like it or what or whatever. I think Seafood's not going to have that opportunity because it's surrounded by other things. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, "Yo, let's delay this thing just for that." Um, totally. You know, there's a couple it. important factors to uh, play here because so just I was looking back at what the January release calendar looks like. Even we got Pokemon Legends Arceus January 28th, so a week before Dying Light. Again, I think very different audiences, and I don't necessarily think that they're that's going to affect one another too much but i do think it's important that when we're talking about looking at these release dates and how close they are together of like what the potential issues are it's not just one thing it's not just oh i don't have time to play all these you have to choose your time it's also the there's a lot of people out there that don't have the budget to be able to buy all of these games so they do yes. have to make a choice of this or that adding on top of that there's the layer of complexity of game pass what does that mean or in different similar services right what of which of these games are going to end up having some level of um, kind of cheaper entry point for people mm -hmm. to get into with like destiny two being on, on game pass, right? Like there's like, that can kind of be a thing that um, can either distract people from other games or allow people to be like, you know what? I can get to that later because I have it. It's there for me. And I can kind of wait, get play the hotness right now and then get back to that later. But there's the other factor that is just the game's media side. And I'm not saying that there's that for from our standpoint, which is we're going to need to divide and conquer and figure out how to uh, cover these games appropriately. And that's not just a woe is me, woe is us type thing. Trust me, it's complicated on our side and I'm not stoked about it. But the reality is that is so much of the word of mouth like that is so much of what builds up the hype and what can really decide is a game a major success or not if everybody is like yo dying light 2 is actually phenomenal and fantastic and it is something worth playing mm -hmm. when you have everyone in games media kind of echoing that i think that kind of is the ultimate goal for these games right to be able to kind of and that's kind of what happened with dying light one is because yeah. everyone was allowed to focus on this one thing at once where it's like with all of this I think that how loud people potentially would be screaming for Sifu uh, might get drowned out because of how much conversation is going on around these other games. And that is that is a big thing when, when you take into account things like guides and things like just general coverage. Because when you look at these games, the biggest games on this list, uh, Elden Ring, Saints Row, uh, 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 Horizon Forbidden West, and Dying Light 2, the thing that all those games have in common is that they're all open world games. <laughs> And they're all going to need a certain dedication in terms of, okay, cool. We're going to need somebody to, to, to cover uh, collecting collectibles in each of these games. We're going to need to figure out how to make guides that are 100%ing all these games. All mm -hmm. these games are going to be games that are going to take 20 plus hours to, uh, uh, to finish theoretically. Like these aren't just, uh, these aren't your outriders. These aren't your you know, linear single player first person games they can get done with in 10 hours and move on to the next one. These are games that take a certain level of commitment. And when I look at, I mean, we, we always reference 
Horizon Zero Dawn and Breath of the Wild and those games coming out very close to each other and what that did for the the reception of either. I think a big part of that was the fact that, you know, they're 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 similar but different games, but similar enough to where we look at things like, oh man, the climbing in Breath of the Wild and go, oh man, this kind of takes away from the traversal in Horizon. Or we look at the story in the Horizon and go, oh man, this narrative is way better than the narrative in Zelda, right? And you can go either mm-hmm. either way depending on the kind of gamer you are. I think when we look at these, there are going to be a lot of comparison points in terms of, oh yeah, dude, like Elden Ring compared to Horizon Forbidden West or Saints Row compared to Dying Light 2 and each, each and every sort of way. And I think it probably does a lot of these devs well, or devs well to go, uh, you know, we don't need four gigantic open world games coming out at the same time. Let's get uh, Dying Light 2 out of here. Or let's get, I think Saints Row is probably a big contender to get delayed here out of all of these. Because Saints Row, I think, is the one that there's enough spark in the Saints Row name. People love Saints Row, but also when you compare it to something like Horizon or compare it to something like Elden Ring, I think it does them well to go, uh, We, when we have space, that's where we're going to shine. We're not going to shine when everything's cluttered. Because Saints Row is, I feel like, that tier below those other two where it's like, you know, the 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 fans of Saints Row are likely going to to be fans of Horizon or Elden Ring as well, and they're probably going to flock to Horizon or Elden Ring before they flock to Saints Row. As much as I hate to say it, because I love Saints Row as well, but it's a t- it's a tough space to be in between all these different games. Definitely is. I'm looking up sales numbers now just because I'm interested in uh, like how some of these things can stack up to each other. And like, granted, it's not necessarily apples to oranges but here we have horizon forbidden west and like i mean it is a a major major seller like we're talking uh, by february 2019 so multiple years ago at this point over 10 million copies have been sold making it one of the best selling games we can kind of expect to see that kind of continue because the game is still cross-gen we're getting the ps4 sales and ps5 sales with that excitement of uh this ip now being a known quantity and there's expectations that it is going to meet those standards right then you look over at like the dark souls games and and it, what I'm looking at here is it's a year ago. They're at over 27 million for all the Dark Souls games, all the Souls mm. games combined, which is very damn impressive for uh, a third party game, uh, like especially that type of game, right? Like that, yeah. that adds up. But then you look at Bloodborne, and I'm a little surprised to see that it's only at 2 million. Mm. So I wonder what a Souls game without Souls in the name is going to hit with Elden Ring. Right. Like, I think that there's a lot of factors that kind of give it some bonuses. Obviously, we have the George R.R. R. Martin stuff that's going to speak to a lot of uh, people that, that might not necessarily have played the Souls game before. They're like, I've been interested from everything I've heard. I know that name. I want to know what this is. So there is that factor. The other key thing is similar to Horizon. It's also cross-gen. So I think that's really going to help it. It's cross-gen and multi-platform. multi-platform yeah, I was going to say that, too. Yeah, and I think for those games too, there you're seeing a rise of people actually flocking to them because it wouldn't surprise me if you were like, oh yeah, Dar- the Dark Souls franchise and Demon Souls haven't sold all that well because they are they those games do speak to the hardest of the hardcore, the people that are willing to put up with the challenge and the people that are willing to to put in the extra work to dive into narrative or explore the lore and do all those things. The the game definitely speaks to a certain audience. Mm-hmm. And Elden Ring, I think, does have the benefit of along with being multi-platform and along with being multi-gen. It is also, I would say, maybe the most ambitious uh, from software game in terms of being open world and in terms of going back to that Dark Souls formula that that a lot of people like and enjoy, right? Like that type of feel for the world. Because Bloodborne and Sekiro both, I think, diverged in ways that people really like. I love both Bloodborne and Sekiro. And for me, I'm somebody who prefers those games over 
at least the time I've spent with something like Demon Souls. You know, there's something about the fast-paced and uh, setting of Sekiro that I love, and there's something about the uh, HP Love Lovecraftian elements and the cosmic horror of Bloodborne that I absolutely adore. Um, I think Elden Ring is taking a lot of what From Software learned from those games, but then also looking back at Dark Souls and going, how do we re- how do we recapture this magic? And I, it, Elden Ring just struck me as something that every From Software fan is going to be like be all ships ahead on like we're 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 all looking forward to this thing and i wouldn't be surprised if that was if elden ring is like the from software branching out everybody's adoring this thing mainstream success in the way that is even bigger than what we've gotten out of souls and sekiro and bloodborne well an interesting thing here too is sekiro over five million as of a year ago mm. yeah that's pretty damn impressive and i think that that's more in line with uh what we're we're we should be expecting with with Elden Ring, if not even more, based on all the extra stuff going into into it that we just talked about. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. I, I like we were saying, like Saints Row, it since that's it is a newer delayed. title, yeah, like that's the thing is, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets delayed. And I don't think that that's really the end of the world for them. Like, there's so many other like months that they can kind of target and kind of own a little bit more to have their like place. Like, it, it's not like. Uh, the case of Dying Light 2 or Elden Ring, where we've been hearing about this damn game for, and even Sifu to an extent, where we've been hearing about it so many times that we kind of just like, all right, it's like Death Loop, where it's like, we get it. We just put the game out. Saints mm-hmm. Row, we've only heard about it once. And February yeah. is not that far away. So they, I think, have the, the the grace period to kind of shift around a little bit without everyone being like, oh, what a bummer. Uh, and even then, Elden Ring, it's like people are more upset about the delay right now just because they are itching to play it as opposed to worry for the game so i think that that's a good sign yeah saints row doesn't have much to lose because out of these big games saints row is the one that hasn't gotten delayed yet you know dying light 2 got delayed out of december horizon Forbidden west got delayed out of this year and elden ring just got delayed right and like saints row i think kind of has the leeway of people aren't going to freak out over a saints row delay i think people would freak out a little bit over horizon Forbidden west delay and that said I don't think so. I, I I think Sony looks at that and goes, we don't want to delay it. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they're oh. like, let's do it. Just because we don't want to compete with Elden Ring. You know, those are two games that are that can't speak to, I think, two hardcore audiences. And of course, Horizon, I think, has more, sc- not scope, but like, I guess more uh, uh, mainstream cachet in terms of having an audience be, like, you, you mentioned the, t- the sales numbers, right? 10 million is a, is a large number for that. I don't think they have much to lose there, but I do think there is a thing of PlayStation going, well, Elden Ring is a huge title coming out in February. Why do we want to have both these things come out at the same time when we can spread the love a little bit? Yeah, I don't think they're going to be thinking about them as competition in terms of that. I, I would not be surprised if we see a Horizon delay, but if we do, I don't expect it to be because they're looking at the rest of the calendar. I think it's going to be because of where that game's at and mm. where they where they want it to be. Um, and that could mean not even just quality of the game. It could just be like in terms of their promotion and marketing and all that stuff. Because Horizon, it's Horizon 2. Like this is a very big, important moment for this franchise and for PlayStation Studios. So like, they're going to want to make sure that they get it absolutely right. But with that, I think that it's kind of in a, a different league um, in terms of sales potential than any of these other games we're talking about. Just because... Mm. It is a PlayStation exclusive sequel to a game that sold over 10 million copies exclusive on PlayStation. Like that's just, there's a lot going there, but February is also real damn close at this point. Very, very close. And Tim, I guess my final question to you is what, what, which one of these games are you looking forward to? If you had to, if you had to order it by which game you would play 
you know, first and like and, and rank it that way. Like, where are you at with 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 February as a month? I mean, it's real easy for me to rank. Most of these games don't really speak to me. So Horizon's number one, Sifu's number two. Um, debatably, I'd put Sifu number one just because it looks so damn good. But like, I just I trust that Horizon's going to be something like absolutely spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, like, I'm interested in Elden Ring. I'm interested in giving it a shot. I doubt I'm going to stick with it. Um, and then after that, like King of Fighters 15, I want to play it for a couple hours just to because it's a very pretty game but i've never been a king of fighters guy after that not for me yeah yeah like i'm i'm in the rare place where i like all these games except for maybe one it speaks to me in 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 some way right destiny 2 is probably the one where i'm like uh you know i'm i've i've tried going back to the destiny 2 dlcs and you know i think my time with that game with that game is done but you know i look at something like even like king of fighters 15 i'm like man ideally i would like to try that out but in a month as packed as this we'll see how i get uh how or when i get to it um but yeah if i had to like rank them right ellen ring is for sure number one for me followed by horizon closely and then saints row and then probably sifu and it's wild to me that in a list of games coming out in a month saints row is number three for me because again i really yeah. love saints row you know that is my type of game i love the open world cities sandbox i love i love that franchise of games but yeah dude it's a big month it's a packed month and i wouldn't be surprised to see multiple of these games get delayed but tim we'll have to wait mm-hmm. and see on that one for now Let's talk about story number two. Uh, we got some more Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad at DC Fandom. I'm uh, uh, dividing this new story into two new stories, basically. And so I'm going to start off talking about Gotham Knights. I'm going to pull from Michael McWherter at Polygon, uh, who writes about how Gotham Knights shows off the mysterious Court of Owls uh, at DC Fandom. The creators of Gotham Knights, the open-world action RPG set in a wayward Gotham City without its Batman, offered a new, longer look at their game at the 2021 DC Fandom on Saturday. It's our first peek at the game in more than a year, revealing revealing what Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl, and the Red Hood will get up to in 2022. The Fandom preview showed off a brief look at the game where Nightwing, Robin, Batgirl, and Red Hood are captured by the Court of Owls. After the short cinematic trailer, there was a special behind-the-scenes preview that gave fans a look at the history of the Court, of the court and let its creators and developers behind Gotham Knights uh, explain the secret society's history in Gotham City and how it will fit into the new game. Gotham Knights was officially revealed at the inaugural DC Fandom last year, set after Bruce Wayne's death. Playable heroes Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl, and the Red Hood will contend with classic Batman villains like Mr. Freeze, as well as powerful new threat, the Court of Owls, a generations-long conspiracy of Gotham City's wealthiest families, and who I I believe Tam and Barrett describe as uh, Gotham's Illuminati, which sounds like the coolest thing to me. Uh, Tim, were you able to check out this trailer? Uh, I, I did check out the game trailers uh, for the DC fandom thing. So Suicide Squad and this really interesting stuff. I love the Court of Owls comic storyline. I'm really interested in how they're going to adapt that to a game, specifically this type of like four different player game. Um, but I'm very interested and I believe they can do it. This looks super rad. I love the tone of this trailer. I love their commitment to like the story beats. This being a story trailer is kind of doing everything that I want it to. I love the imagery. I love how everything is kind of creepy. Owls are creepy, period. Let's just start there. Um, But all the, like, the cages and stuff, like, it's just such a a cool vibe. Um, And I, I just, I'm vibing with it. Yeah. And I'm in, I'm in the same place too. You know, watching this trailer, I really love it as a tone piece. I love it as a, hey, this is what you're getting into. And for me, as somebody who's not as familiar with the Court of Owls stuff, but knows it through people like Barrett and people like Tim talking about it, I'm super excited to see how this game tackles it because 
you know, I, 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 always, I always love, I guess, good adaptation when it comes to, hey, this is a thing that's very beloved. We're taking it to a medium that, that you love, right? I'm not a comics person, but I am a video game person. So if you're telling me that you're taking this comic storyline that people think is off the chain and you're giving it to me in a form that, you know, I love ideally, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. And you know what, what excites me most about it is it is a storyline that is off the chain and it is fucking awesome. But they're clearly, without spoilers, not going to be able to adapt it exactly the same. Yeah. And I think that's the best thing for it. Like, I don't think that that story from the comics is perfectly adaptable to a video game. From this, the hints and teases we get in this, I'm like, I think there's a really interesting story they could tell that would be very engaging and could potentially, story-wise, match the, the comic storytelling, which excites me a lot. Barrett, I know you're, you're hanging out there. What do, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited uh, about it. Of course, you can watch the, uh, reacts from Blessing Tam and myself over the weekend. We reacted to both the Gotham Knights, uh, trailer and the Suicide, uh, Kill the Justice League trailer. What got me really excited is, uh, the behind the scenes, uh, video that Bless brought up as well, uh, where they brought in Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, who are kind of like the, the helmsman for the Batman New 52 run, uh, which I, I would probably say is my favorite run of Batman, just the, those, each of those stories are so unique and fitting to kind of like modern uh, Batman, and I, I just love them a lot. Uh, yeah, we kind of like speculated a lot of like how they're going to adapt uh, the whole Court of Owls story, uh, especially, you know, that being a Batman-specific like kind of centric story and like how they're going to kind of change that up to have it be more of the Bat family, right, and them dealing with the Court of Owls, uh, which is very exciting. I, I would say for... The last thing I'll say right now is uh, for both trailers, I would say I was a little disappointed we didn't get a little more gameplay uh, from both of them. Um, I, I agree with Blessing. Like, the the story trailer for, I would say, both Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad were great, like, tone pieces of, like, all right, here's kind of, like, the, the vibe that you're going to go into with both of these games. Um, but I, I would have liked to see some, some updates with Gotham Knights of just, like, a, what that game is looking like now after a year of, you know, we saw gameplay from it uh, at last year's DC Fandom. And then with... Uh, Suicide Squad, we still have really like no idea like what that game is gonna look like gameplay wise. So, um, yeah. aside from like the in-engine footage uh, that they showed uh, this year, um, so yeah, it overall very excited. A lot of things to theorize about. You know, uh, Tam brought up the theory that maybe the penguin we see in the Gotham Knights trailer isn't actually penguin, uh, which is a really fun theory. That it's my favorite should... theory. Yeah, uh, and, and there are, there's reasons for that theory. There's there have been times where you know a, a certain uh, bat character has uh, disguised himself as the penguin very convincingly. So um, yeah, check, check out, out check out the reactions yeah. because legitimately I was like, this is an amazing. Theory. We, we get real. <laughs> I really hope this is true. Uh, but let's so talk funny. about suicide. Side Squad killed the Justice League. Of course, that trailer uh, came out as well. I'm pulling from Jody McGregor at PC Gamer, who writes the latest trailer for Rocksteady, uh, Rocksteady Studio Suicide Squad killed the Justice League, which debuted at DC Fandom, does not include any gameplay footage. It does, however, have some shout outs to the Batman Arkham games, which it's weirdly kind of a sequel to. For starters, the opening recreates the beginning of Arkham Asylum with the drive past the quote, hitchhikers may be escaping patients, uh, end quote sign, uh, and the scene of a man. And Waller recruiting the squad is set in the game's first combat area. During the sequence, where the Suicide Squad gears up with help from Gizmo, a kind of evil MacGyver from the comics, a couple of items from the Arkham series appear. King Shark puts on the bowler hat that Riddler wore in Arkham City, and Harley Quinn fires Batman's grapnel gun. 
Uh, seems like Gizmo has a collection of trophies and gadgets belonging to Arkhamverse characters, including a backlighter and the super speed boomerang Captain Boomerang uses to zip around. Later on, there's a Junker Batmobile with a repurposed bat signal uh, for a headlight, which has the same X shape across its face as the version on top of the GCPD building in Arkham Knight, though there's no hint as to who's driving it. Two more villains from the series also return. Poison Ivy is apparently alive and well, if her vines appearing at the two, uh, uh, I guess two minutes, two, two minutes, 10 seconds mark are anything to go by. And the penguins regrown some of his hair, but still has that beer bottle monocle embedded in his eye. Last year, Rocksteady creative director Sefton Hill described Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League as a hybrid between the Arkham games and some powerful, awesome gunplay in an open-world metropolis. It'll have drop-in, drop-out co-op for up to four players, but can apparently be played solo as well, with AI controlling whichever characters you don't pick. It's due in 2022. Tim, how are you feeling about the Suicide Squad trailer? Not feeling great about it. I will say that a lot of the humor worked for me and I enjoyed the the tone for it being Suicide Squad. I think they kind of nailed what they were going for with that. I think for what this game looks like and just kind of the aesthetics of it overall, it gives me vibes of two things that I don't really like. And that is the Avengers game and Tony Hawk's American Wasteland, where it's like it hit a point <laughs> that they're like, There's, we've done Tony Hawk seven times at this point. How do we do something different? So, like, they kind of did something different just to do it. And I feel that vibe from this a little bit where it's like, I don't really like this type of colorful apocalypse that they're in. That's not quite that colorful. Like, it's not Sunset Overdrive, but, like, it's there's just something about this tonally that I just feel doesn't add up from what I'm seeing so far. Um, and then, yeah, the Avengers bits of it. It's like it's just so hard when there's so much superhero stuff out now, both TV movies and video games for something to really kind of stand apart and like be special, especially Mm -hmm. for something like the suicide squad that like at this point right now, we have the bad suicide squad movie, right? We have the guardians of the galaxy, which is like, not Suicide Squad, but very similar because they're really aping it. We have the successful James Gunn Suicide Squad that's a lot more like Guardians of the Galaxy. We also have the Peacemaker show coming out. We also have the Harley Quinn animated show that's fantastic on HBO Max. So we have all these things to compare this to. And I think that that was the Avengers biggest problem is we had some things to compare these specific characters to. And Suicide Squad right now, especially Harley Quinn, I think is just so over exposed right now that it's going to be difficult for this game to like get past that initial gut reaction of people being like okay but is this worth the time yeah i i mean i like this trailer i i hear what you're saying i think i think i think there are a lot of valid points there i think for me watching this trailer encompassed a lot of what i really did enjoy about the latest suicide squad movie where you know suicide squad in the last what five years at this point has had kind of a back and forth of that first movie comes out with Will Smith and them and, you know, people hated it, did not like it. And that movie missed a lot of the marks in terms of writing, humor, characterization and stuff that people were looking forward to that just didn't hit, didn't uh, stick the landing. And I feel like the, the the latest movie did a good job of setting the tone along with things like Birds of Prey. I think Birds of Prey did this as well, where they set a good tone for what this type of thing should be in this kind of adaptation right like there's a there's a certain way you can deliver the jokes there's a certain way that you can uh capture this i guess like chaotic over the top 
uh, uh, humorous energy, you know, that is so hard to, to to capture in a bottle. I think the latest movies have done a good job of that. And this, for me, was more reminiscent of those <clears throat> than the original Suicide Squad. I do think oh, yeah. that I, de- I definitely hear you saying about like the oversaturation of it, though, because you're right that there is a lot of that. There is a Harley Quinn show. There is a Harley Quinn movies. There is a Suicide Squad movie. There, 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 there has been a lot of this lately. I think the thing that I like about the colorful tone is just the fact that we've gotten so much from Rocksteady in terms of the dark Batman tone that I do like them going a completely different direction in the way of, hey, we've told this story a bunch now. And I know for me, by the time I got to Batman Arkham Knight, I was kind of tired of it. Um, having them work on something that is different, but still set in the same universe and still utilizing some of the big characters that we love, right? Like them actually utilizing the Justice League, them actually using Superman and Green Lantern and Wonder Woman and these, and these characters that are big characters in the universe right the biggest characters in the universe but putting it in the perspective of these characters that they can do zany and weird things with has me excited i'm like dude i want to know what they're going to do with that yeah totally i I just think the tonal dissonance that i'm talking about is that it is kind of like more bright and colorful than the arkham games but then we have Mm. the justice league that are like mind controlled and dark and and evil and stuff and Mm. it's like okay well injustice it's like that's something that we've just had in video games recently and i know that it's like you know, they're, they're going to have their own unique take. And at the end of the day, it's rock steady. Like, that's the one thing that it's like, we haven't seen gameplay, so we don't know anything about that. And I do think that they are doing a good job when it comes to the humor in the trailer. It's an enjoyable trailer. I just think that it's going to be an uphill battle for them to make this the hit that a Batman Arkham game would be, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that if there are very few studios out there that I would watch this trailer and be like, you know what? I still think they can do it. I still think they can pull it off. And I do think Rocksteady can pull it off. The one thing that that bummed me out is us not getting gameplay. You know, because last year for a DC fandom, it was a thing where we got a kind of a deep dive into Gotham Knights gameplay and what that looks like and what the co-op looks like and all that stuff. And Suicide Squad was the cinematic reveal trailer. Uh, this year for us to get two cinematic trailers on the Gotham Knights side, I don't mind as much because we know what the gameplay looks like. And I think... The Gotham Knights trailer does a good job of setting up why you should be excited about narrative specifically, which I'm totally down for. The Suicide Squad, I feel like now is the moment to reveal what gameplay looks like because I, I go back to the article and what was hit it at last year where, you know, they talk about the game having, you know, it's drop in, drop out multiplayer. It has uh, some awesome gunplay to it. And I'm like, cool, how much of this game is the Arkham games that we know and love? And how much of it is a third person shooter that is more along the lines of something like Outriders, right? And I'm, that's not me saying that this is going to be full on Outriders, but I think there is a, hey, we should, you guys should pretty much establish what this thing looks like so that when we finally yeah. see that gameplay, we're point. not, we're not, you know, thrown, we're not taken aback. We're not surprised. And we t- have an understanding of, hey, this is what this is. Because right now I'm scared that once they give us the, this is what this is, a lot of people are going to be like, uh, this is not what I, expe- I expected. Uh, which right now, you know, I am, I'm, I'm tempering my gameplay expectations to be a, this is third person shooter-esque. And we'll, we'll see if that's what it is. We'll see if it is more Arkham-like, but I wish we got. I wish. I wish we got that reveal this last weekend. Tim, mm-hmm. let's move on to story number three. But before we do, I want to remind people that they can go to Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games where they can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Canva. Design is such an integral part of making content, but dang, it's hard. Or it was hard until we started using Canva Pro. Now I can design anything like a pro on any device. You can choose from thousands of customizable templates or start from scratch. 
something I love. I love the, the options there. Being able to go just look at a bunch of templates, it's helped with a lot of our promo imagery that we have to make. And it really kind of makes me feel like I know what I'm doing. Uh, it makes me feel like a genuine Andy Cortez. You love to see it. And Canva Pro has endless premium fonts, photos, videos, and so much more that add your own personal spice to whatever you're designing. You and four teammates can design together, unlock everything Canva Pro has to offer for just $12.99 a month. You can design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you use our promo code. Just go to canva.me slash KFGD to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash KFGD. Canva.me slash KFGD to get your free 45-day extended trial. And next up, shout out to ButcherBox. Nothing beats quality meats. And with ButcherBox, you get more than just high-quality meats. You also get holistically sourced meat because ButcherBox always keeps the farmer, the planet, the animal, and your family in mind. Gia blew my mind recently when she made a grilled buffalo chicken sandwich. It was so good. I love ButcherBox. Every month, ButcherBox will ship a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home. Each box contains between 8 to 14 pounds of meat, depending on your box type. It's a lot of meat. It's enough for 24 individual meals. The meat has no antibiotics or added hormones and is always packed fresh and shipped frozen for your convenience. Right now, ButcherBox is offering new members a 10 to 16-pound turkey free in the first box perfect timing for thanksgiving just go to butcherbox.com slash kfgd to sign up that's butcherbox.com slash kfgd to receive a free turkey in your first box b-u-t-c-h-e-r-b-o-x.com slash kfgd to get that free turkey Tim, let's talk about story number four. We Happy Few Studio has doubled in size. This is from Jared Moore at IGN. About story number three. Wait, what was that? What about story number three? Oh, shoot. You're right. We do have story number three. I don't know why. I, for some reason, when I bundled those two other stories, my Got head there's story number two and three. Story number three. That's a good shout out to him. I almost skipped that entirely. Capcom is teasing multiple Resident Evil announcements closer to Halloween. Uh, this is Mike Wilson at Bloody Disgusting. In one of those no-brainer moments, seeing as it's that time of the year, Capcom has released a new Halloween-centric website as part of the 25th anniversary celebrations for Resident Evil. And while it's mostly in Japanese, English-speaking fans are able to navigate it. What's intriguing are the multiple surprise announcements that are coming later this month. The first two announcements have already been revealed for RE-themed swag and details for the upcoming Resident Evil 4 VR, which arrives exclusively for the Oculus Quest 2 on October 21st. However, there are three announcements scheduled for Thursday, October 21st, two reveals on Friday, October 22nd, another on Monday, October 25th, and the last on Friday, October 29th. As for what they can be, given the rumblings over the past year, the possibilities could include the in-production but not announced Resident Evil Village DLC and that long-rumored remake of Resident Evil 4, which was most recently hinted at in the last PlayStation ad, which... I missed that. I don't I don't remember that being into that at the PlayStation Showcase, but I digress. Or given that we finally got a trailer for the upcoming Resident Evil Welcome to Racco Raccoon City last week, perhaps we'll be getting another one ahead of the film's November 24th release. Big thanks to Nibel for finding the site. Tim, big Resident Evil fan. What do you mm -hmm. make of this? Uh, I definitely have tempered expectations. Uh, Resident Evil and Capcom have both done the whole, hey, there will be surprises, and then the surprises end up being... A lot of things you just named, Resident Evil 4 VR and uh, things to that extent, anything involving RE-verse, all that stuff. Yeah. I think that we could probably expect another trailer for the Resident Evil movie because that is coming out and they want to promote that. Um, the biggest thing that I'd like to see is DLC for Village. Like I 
would love to pop back into that. That is something I would definitely play. Um, I was actually just thinking about Village a couple of days ago about like, man, that was this year. And I really enjoyed that game. So it's like being able to go back and play a little bit more sounds really enticing to me. Um, like they said, we know that they're working on something. I wonder what it is. Like, I, I don't really know what that DLC is going to be in terms of like characters and time and setting and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because the DLC for seven was pretty interesting and pretty radically different than some of the things we got in seven itself. So that could be cool. The long rumored remake of RE4, not a chance. That's not like that. If that is real, it's going to be at a PlayStation event. I mm-hmm. firmly believe that. And I think it'll be like a big PlayStation uh, showcase event that they would debut it at. Do you, so is next year the year where we don't get something big from Resident Evil? Cause I feel like the last, yeah. for however long each year, there's been something right. RE2 remake, RE3 remake, Resident Evil Village. I mean, Resident starting Evil with seven. seven. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's exactly how it went. That's pretty nuts. Um, So yeah, I I do think that we're going to miss a a year, which I'm not too upset about. Like, honestly, I kind of hope that by the time we see an RE4 remake or um, RE9 or whatever the next RE core game is, I hope that it is at a time and place where next gen consoles are more readily accessible to people and they can kind of move on and like really give it that full push. Um, But yeah, I, I do think that that's a ways out. I, I think that a Resident Evil 4 remake is the likelihood of it went down for me a lot when Village came out just because of how similar the settings are and like the the kind of vibe of it. Yeah. But I do think that we're far enough away from it now, and especially if we're looking into next year of it being announced that potentially I wouldn't be surprised to hear an announcement yes year, next year. However, having said that, any of the RE games we just talked about uh, from Village 7, 2, and 3 – all of them came out so close to their announcement. Village was the farthest, furthest. And even mm-hmm. that was like less than a year. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like usually what it's E3 and then the following spring, we usually get the Resident Evil game released. Now that we're, we're this far from, we're far this far into the year and there have been so many opportunities for Resident Evil to be announced. I, I've kind of given up in terms of, oh, yeah, it's probably, they're, they're definitely skipping next year. That's kind of where I'm at right now. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong. Reverse isn't out yet, right? And so, like, I would expect that that seems like a next year thing. Maybe that can be the next uh, Resident Evil no, next year. It won't, be, it won't be. Yeah, you don't know, like as in it won't come out, or you, it's not going to count as like a Resident. Yeah, thing, it's not going to count. They're not oh, going. Yeah, sure, they sure. they know what it is. They're not. They're not looking at it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the when I Google Reverse, uh, you need to make sure you put a space, or else it's just the word reverse. Reverse, of course. Um, initial release date twenty twenty two. But the first thing that comes up is a lot of people asking: Is Reverse canceled? um so it's no it's question. not it's just but it has been delayed to 2022 fair question well yeah i wouldn't be surprised to see that like you said and then yeah i'm with you that the I, this seems like a right time to drop a trailer you know or the right venue to drop a trailer for a movie that's about to come out soon and that probably needs more hype and more anticipation and so look forward to that uh but now let's round out the roper report with story number four we happy few studio has doubled in size this is from jared moore at ign Compulsion Games, the studio behind We Happy Few, says that it has doubled in size for its newest project, which will be a third-person narrative-driven single-player game. During an interview with Xbox Squad, as translated by VGC, Compulsion Games PR and community developer Nyla Hajas uh, talked further about the studio's recent expansion and its plans for the future, saying, quote, I think we gave ourselves a little time to learn. It's our first game with Microsoft and we're learning a lot, end quote. She continues, we have doubled the workforce and we are adapting to it. 
the goal the goal is to expand our zany universe to continue to make our mark in video games as a studio that likes to make unique games in little used settings for now that's our goal pursue our legacy our her- heritage uh, while re- while remaining true to ourselves end quote Despite its current lack of details or official title, the upcoming game from Compulsion is reported to have gone into into production only a few months after the release of We Happy Few, which initially entered early access in 2016 before gaining a full release two years later. According to Hajas, the new game is currently in full development, although the PR and community developer did also note that she has no idea when fans will get to see it. Unlike We Happy Few, the studio believes that its new project is unlikely to require an early access period prior to, uh, to its full launch. Quote, with our new game, a narrative third-person story game, I don't think we need any feedback, says Hajas. Uh, it's not like a roguelike where you replay it multiple times and you need data to make sure the experience is fun, end quote. While We Happy Few does have a traditional story, Hajas notes that this wasn't the case in the beginning and that its inclusion only came after fans fell in love with the game's world and its characters. In contrast, Hajas says that the next game is a story and that the team knows where it is going from the beginning. Currently, Compulsion Games' upcoming project does not have a release date yet. Cool. This is, this is, I feel like this is more one of those informa- informational news stories of keeping us up to date and like keeping us in the know. I forgot Compulsion Game was a thing, if I'm being honest. Yeah, but I mean, it's cool. You know, we happy few was fun. Was Compulsion Games the same company that made that PS4 launch title? Um, I'm blanking on the name right now. Very curious on which one you're talking about. Um, yes, Contrast on uh ps4 i enjoyed it like that was it was fun it was a smaller title definitely wasn't like super polished or anything but like i liked the kind of different vibes and like again video games have just matured to a point that there's so much breadth of style of content that can be put out there and like not everything needs to be like the, the biggest most polished thing or the smallest indie title there's like a lot of in between now and i think that that's kind of a place where contrast was even smaller but then we happy few was one of those games that was like a really exciting step up for them where we saw the trailers and it was like, oh, wow, there's kind of some Bioshock vibes here. Like, this seems interesting. But I just think that the um, kind of dev cycle of it kind of lasted a little too long. And like the early access right? kind of it, it, that game, I feel, got distracted by itself. Right. Yeah, and I feel like a lot and of the I think like the expectations for it were like uh, running wild as well. Like, I, I feel like when they first presented it, we all thought it was going to be this like very narrative specific thing. And then it like turned into a like a procedurally generated game, I think, at one point and stuff. Yeah, like it's that. like a survival game. That's the thing is, yeah, it yeah. was the thing of it got announced. And it had a really cool setup. You know, if you remember the the characters in the town getting drugged and all these things, yeah, taking like, like the happy pills so they don't feel <laughs> any other emotions that other than happiness and stuff. Exactly. And I think that was a really exciting premise but then on the delivery it seemed like the narrative was just super thin or almost non-existent and it was more about the survival aspects of the game and it wasn't the thing that people expected it to be which i think kind of got lost and that was an early access where people had that realization and i think that really distracted from the final product coming out and people the, the the i think by that time the hype had died and i think you know from what they're talking about this next game being it being a game that is a story and it is a single player you know narrative focused game i think this is a good pivot for them because i think yep. 
they did a good job of setting up the fact that hey, we can we have we can have interesting ideas, interesting concepts for narrative, and we're, we we have uh, interesting looking art design. There's shit that we that we can do, and that we and that that um you guys want you guys can want from us in terms of direction. The fact that they're pivoting to now focusing on that direction, I think, is going to be pretty good for them because yeah, like We Happy Few is one is a game that I wanted to be excited for. It's a game that when I f- first saw that trailer, I was like, oh, let's go. This seems really cool. And when I learned what mm-hmm. it was, I was like. Uh, not for me, but, you know, do your thing. Uh, and, yeah, this strikes me as a thing that is going to be a little bit more for me, which I'm excited about. Yeah, I mean, them saying the next game, quote, is a story. The team knows where it's going from the beginning. Like, that's honestly, like, I think, the best news that can come from this. So, good for yeah. them. And this doesn't seem too far off. I know they say that they don't know when they're going to announce it and all these things. But the fact that it began development uh, soon after We Happy Few, and that, that was a while ago at this point, And it seems like, according to Hajas here, it seems like they are pretty committed and their vision is pretty clear in terms of what this thing is going to be. I wouldn't be surprised to see this announced in the next year or so. And so I look forward to that. But Tim, that announcement mm-hmm. is probably just so far away. Oh, if yeah. I wanted what's coming out to mom and drop shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of funny games daily show hosts each and every weekday. Out today, we got Farming Life on PC, and then Summer Intrigue on PC. New dates for you, Subway Midnight releases on October 28th, and then Apex Legends Escape, the latest evolution of the award-winning hero shooter is set to arrive uh, uh, to players worldwide on November 2nd. I love reading and the Excuse emails. you, show some respect, Bless, to Sora, okay? Oh, Sora of course. is of in course. Smash today, baby. Let's go. The final Smash update. I, man, that's it, that's been such a journey. I'm so Crazy. excited to pick, pick that up and try it out. Tim, are you uh, excited to finally finish your journey of collecting all of the spirits? Finally, I'm, after so many years. Dude, I'm honestly a little bummed out about it. Like, I don't want mm-hmm. it to be over. Um, and, and, you know, right now, I, I haven't got the Kazuya ones yet. So, or the the last ones um, of the, the Xenoblade characters, uh, Pyrrha and... Um, yeah so i got i got like maybe more. 30 left to collect okay. and then then it's over that's wow. all wow that you get to retire uh, on your farm. Blue in the chat mm-hmm. points something out that should be a stream you collecting your final I know. spirits yeah i've been i've been considered like there's just a lot going on right now but yeah. I, I think i might i might end you're up having busy to do boy. that so, Barry, you, say something? you cut off for us i said you're a busy boy i'm a busy oh yeah boy. tim has, has a Doing lot going busy on busy things if you want to be busy, you should check out our deal of the day. The Forgotten City uh, could be $9.99 on Epic Game Store after a $10 off coupon. The way you go to that coupon, this is from Wario64. Wario64 has the links that you need for this. All right, you can get a $10 off coupon in the Epic Game Store. The way you do that is, I believe, signing up for uh, like email notifications from Epic Game Store. And so if you're down for that, you can get a $10 off coupon, and then you can buy The Forgotten City for $9.99, a very good video game that you all should play. I talk about it a little bit in the latest episode of The Blessing Show, which you, t- you should also go check out on YouTube.com slash kindoffunnygame games go do that oh, yeah for now let's talk about kind of funny.com slash you're wrong that's where people write in to let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and on podcast services around the globe remember you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games if you want to get in some questions not kind of funny.com slash you're wrong uh let's see let's see let's see uh that's not a you're wrong that's not a you're wrong uh, we have a you're right which is tim's right about contrast uh and so tim flawless Boom. victory 
Flawless victory. Look at us. You love to see it. What a Monday. What a Monday, bless. What a Monday. Uh, you can look forward to more bangers of KFGD episodes throughout the week because this week's uh, hosts more. for Kind of Funny Games Daily uh, and more. This week's hosts for Kind of Funny Games Daily are Tuesday, you're getting Tim and Gary Witta. Wednesday, we have question marks. Have we figured that uh, out? This yeah, whole week has a lot of question marks. I'm just going to okay. be honest with you. Now that Greg Miller's gone, there's a lot of things we're trying to figure out. Who's going to be where, when, why? I don't know. I don't we'll know. figure so it out. You're going to have to tune in every day for a fun little surprise. Keep you on your toes, everyone. Hell yeah. Uh, but as of now, then on Thursday, you're getting Tim Tam Thursdays. And on Friday, it's me and Janet uh, for Bless Janet Fridays. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now, after this is Mike and Barrett playing Batman Arkham City. Playing through Hell it. Hell yes. Have fun. Have a good good time. Be the Batman. Hunt down Mr. Freeze and whatever else you do in that game. If you want to catch that stream later, of course, subscribe to Kind of Funny or YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Plays. Uh, remember, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily.